This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard and alongside me as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day everybody. All right, we are back fresh off uh, Anzac Day uh, public holiday long weekend, if, uh, whatever you want to call it, and, uh, and, and a pretty interesting round of footy at times and a pretty bad round of footy at other times, but lots to talk about uh, nonetheless, Mitchell. Um, I guess, first of all, we'll jump way back in time, feels like a lifetime ago now, to the start of the round. Sister um, Fatalakai is the greatest player in the world. It is quite funny, by the way, that that game happened and no media garbage followed. Mm. It was very weird that that happened. He played one of the best halves of football we've ever seen. Unfortunately, that second half, like the whole shark shut off. So it's hard to call it one of the best games, even though it probably could be on its own. But one of the best halves of football you'll ever see from a center. And yeah, just, I don't know, like, during the call, both coverages mentioned him for origin and similar. And Freddie mentioned he called him. So it's obviously even before that game, he was in the frame and they had mentioned that he wanted to play for Tonga when clashes with game two, whatever. And then the game ends and it just didn't carry on. Like it kind of felt like it did, but that was like one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Like I don't like to overhype generally, but that kind of stuff. Like when we heard about Littrell when he bashed up on the Tigers and he touched the ball seven times, like. No, like every time Talakai touched the ball in that first half, he was he was gone. You know, they either scored, he scored. Like it was, what was he? I'll crumple his first half stats up again. But it, first half alone, pretty much most of his stats anyway, ridiculous, eh? Hey? Yeah, poor Morgan Harper. Um, he'll, he'll first grade, this, yeah. having a bad, oh. He's having a bad season anyway. He, he, he was having a good year, week. but that was the, that reached its nadir during that game. My God. <laughs> Yeah, and he finished with a conservative 262 run meters for a center, which still slots him here. I think it's about, what, about ninth on record for a center for meters. So not too bad, but uh, he was certainly on his way to something special in that first half. I guess, I mean, credit to Manly. I think Cooler did a much better job on him than Harper did, but yeah. Why was he not uh, hooked earlier? I'm not sure. <laughs> I really don't know. Like but, he um, was getting hooked at half time. Obviously, they planned it before half time, right? Like, mm, why was he getting hooked earlier? Yeah, especially when they scored what was it? Two more tries in the last what five minutes of that game, including uh, half. Sorry, including that one where he kicked it, which was sick. Um, yeah, yeah, the Sharks are fun. They're the most fun team to watch. Um, no, that's your opinion. I mean, they are. They just are at the moment. Um, and Mitchell, this podcast is constantly us passing our opinions off as facts. And I know you're salty because you didn't want to. You didn't want to get on the boys. Now, now listen, Bungard. Them. I'm not but, focused um, on eight weeks ago like you are. I get new takes every week and move forward. Yeah. So I'm not salty. Okay. Why would I be focused on eight weeks ago? I'm focused on three days ago where I just watched like. I know, but you're saying you didn't the most want the boys enjoyable... to do well. No, yeah, well you I didn't. You, ha- you hated them. I don't this like. Them. I still don't like the sharks, but doesn't mean I can't. You can admit, but you can admit that they are fun to watch. Well, yes, but I wouldn't call them the most fun in the league. That's for sure. Offer an offer an alternative. We you literally saw a team score fifty uh, six points and a half this yeah. like yesterday. That was very funny. Okay, that's a more fun team. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Melbourne have been beating up on teams since since we were for our entire lives. So you're saying new hotness. You're not saying most fun. That's what you're saying. 
No, it could be both of those things, which they are. Well, well put. I'm glad we agree. Uh, Manly, they rallied hard in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, it, it did smack of the, the Sharks winning the queue in the rack a little bit. Like, I don't think either of those teams... I don't think Manly can take much from it. I don't think Sharks fans should really be worried. Like, you see games like this all the time where teams rack up insurmountable leads and switch off in the second half. I don't think they have anything to be concerned about. I mean, they did get down to, what, 12 points at one stage, but 10 points at one stage. But, yeah, I mean, nothing to worry about. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, so to get back to the first half stats, people hadn't seen them. It was 14 runs for 212 metres, three try assists, two line break assists, three line breaks, and the double himself, three offloads. uh, Somehow made four tackles (laughs) and seven tackle breaks. Um, Feels like he probably had a lot more tackle breaks if anyone tried to tackle him. Mm in the first half weird to see them slow down in the, in the second as you like you said we'll let's see them go on with it a bit but uh yeah i, I don't know with the, reading it for manly there's obviously some issues there across the park for them it just feels like in that first half like it started dce dropped the kickoff into the in goal and then the sharks were really good at going back to that weakness. They obviously knew it was a, ma- a matchup, a plus matchup for the whole game, and it just it just went things went really wrong really fast for them. They should have probably hooked Harper after twenty odd minutes. I'm still not sure it stops that run. I think halftime stops stop the run for the sharks. But uh, yeah, they're good. They're a good side. The sharks and mainly that this week they're going with a million injuries against you guys. Uh, they also like this game. They'll miss like LAA's been as big as missing. Tommy Turbo because they have nothing in the middle without him. Like Tommy Martin to Powell's finished. He's been looking for that next million dollar contract for like five years. He's cooked. And I mean, well, it doesn't help that it didn't even play this game, but you know, he didn't play this game. Sorry, but he's coming back this week. But like then Sipley was there. Uh, what Andrew Davy played prop. And then like he, he got, he got hurt towards the end as well. So yeah. He, he, and you know, then like, yeah, it just, there wasn't a very strong lineup for them, but no. they just absolutely smashed pillar post in that first half. And like, to be fair to them, they had some fu- they had some fucking pride in their performance to try and come back. Hey, they didn't fucking put their heads. We see so often now teams when they get they're getting pummeled, they just let it go. <laughs> I.e. Monday. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, I they mean, did. their first half wasn't the worst half any team had this weekend somehow. Which, if you'd said that after this game on Thursday night, people would have gone, "How could that possibly be true?" Yeah. But, uh, and with the yeah. Sharks, mate, like, you know, there's always been raps on Fitzgibbon for a number of years it, as coming through is going to be a good head coach. But I think one of the things I spoke in the Sharks Discord about it today, and it's not trying to be a knock on him, mm. but he's doing a lot of like the, the things that look easy from the outside. Like, you know, often we, we watch a coach do something and, and it doesn't work for like six weeks. You're like, why the fuck did you just let that happen for six weeks? Yeah. Like when South left Alex Johnson at fullback for two months instead of putting yeah. Greg English there. It's like, we get that you want it to work, but sometimes it goes wrong so badly. It's like, you know what? You guys tried it. One or two weeks, let it go. Or they find something that works, but they revert back to what, you know, what they planned prior or similar. And the thing that I've really liked from, from Fitzgibbon is like, he, when he, in preseason, they had Moylan training as the bench utility. And then Trindle was supposed to be partnering Nico in, in the halves. Moylan played quite well for the first five or six weeks. So Trindle's come back as a bench utility. You know, and then they've tried Trindle bench utility. It sucked. So they've dropped him. You know, it's what well, they weren't stuck into this thing. Like they, they gave Tim Trindle a shot and they'll probably go back and play reserve grade and play 80 minutes a week in the halves. It would be better for him if Moylan gets injured to fill in. But that kind of does that. You know, Talakai performed and kept his spot 
in the centers. So many teams would have just, like he's had periods in before in his career when he's been pretty good and he's just gone back to being a benchy. It's like he doesn't give a shit reputation or what. Like if you play well, you earn you earn your spot there, which is good. But also, like I just appreciate that week to week. It seems like every single week he's done the change. of we sat down and go, oh, if they just that you know, I'd probably do this. He's done that. Whereas he said other clubs like mate, there was. Even Sharks said that themselves a few years ago. Remember that year when the Sharks got good? That year, they just refused to play Jack Bird and Val Holmes for like yeah. the first like, yeah, quarter yeah, of yeah. the season. Stuff like that, mate. Terrible. Mate, even, yeah. even the Storm, they did the Brody Croft thing for ages, but thankfully they worked it out when it yeah, mattered at the end of the season. But yeah, well, they still they didn't, didn't win anything that year, though, did they? But they figured it out. No, but, but they, yeah. I mean, got to a grand final. So. But how about like, like Talakai? They came into this season, right? He's played. What did he play before this year? He's played 42 NRL games for seven tries. This year, seven games, five tries. Like, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I don't think, that's like, that's good. the thing, though. Him being so good at center, there's, they would never have predicted it either. We know this. He started as a bench middle start of the year, played in the second row, filled in at center. But now it's like he's not, they're not dropping him out of that spot. Oh, no. Or Connor Tracy. Yeah, unfortunate. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, the the Broncos did it again. Uh, they're a little, little bit more in the Sharks before we go. Okay, Fuck it, we'll do it. They're just being, but what they're really good as well is like they're when you watch the Sharks and it's like when you watch a, a team that's like their attacks really well drilled. Like the spreads across the field, they don't they don't look that different, right? You watch like the Bulldogs, for example, but it's those little tiny bits like getting the passes just right, getting the decoys just right that make the difference at the Sharks when they spread the ball left. Talakai is one-on-one or he's outside his man. You know, then you watch other teams like the Bulldogs do these slow sweeps. Same play and they get to the sideline and, you know, there's extra defenders there. But they're just so good at, like, when you watch their tries and they get on the weekend, check out, like, you know, Aiden Tomlin, for example, running great unders lines. Teague Wilton running the right line every time. Getting through the line, stopping when they just get through the line. Every time they're doing that. Every time Moylan or Hines, like, Hines is doing the same thing pretty much at the first receiver. Nothing fancy, but he's skipping to the left, taking one man. So he's he's his man's in front of him. He skips to the left, takes one man out of the line. You know, there's two guys gone now, and he throws a cut out to Moylan. Moylan skips one, cuts out, and then all of a sudden, there's space. And it's really simple, but that stuff takes a lot of execution training. We see every other team, like, it's so hard for other teams to land that. And we know the good teams, like, we see it happen when Penrith sometimes are firing, they don't fire as often that style as other teams do. Storm when they're firing, or not this year's Roosters, but you know, the Roosters of the years past, where they just go across the field with full pace. Like we saw it then, and that's the thing with the Sharks that makes you set out the most. Like they still have massive defensive issues. Like they still concede too many points, but also they, some of these games have caught teams so easily with their quick spreads that it, doesn't, it hasn't really mattered outside of like obviously the couple of losses. Yeah, they've been extremely impressive. Um, it, uh, their defense is probably a concern. Like, I mean, I know this game we said they switched off, but Melbourne cut through them far too easily a lot of the time two weeks ago. Um, and that's probably the main thing they have to fix up at this point. Although that's probably a lot easier said than done. I don't know, but hey, just score forty points every week. That doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it. And um, yeah, Melbourne cut through, and they've got Brisbane this week. And obviously, we're not very good, but Brisbane up at Suncorp, being a bunny for the the storm for a while, us the sharks for a while, even through the bad yeah. years, we've had a good record against them. So it is a bit of a test for them. Yeah. 
you know, maybe Stags aggression has, you know, causes Halakai problems. Well, they, knows, they've got to start knocking off these hoodoos. I mean, they did, they never beat they Manly either. And they did that this week. That's so. it, exactly right. They did that and they did it. Like, they never, it was like, I mean, the kickoff was up and the commentators mentioned Manly, you know, they haven't lost here in whatever games and DC dropped it. I was like, well, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one. Um, yeah, me and Cameron were talking about this on Monday night. It was like, it was like, it's strange that, like, that gets mentioned heaps. The Warriors Storm Hoodoo, which is not even a hoodoo, gets mentioned heaps. But like the Storm South one gets mentioned far less than either of those. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is probably true. Even though it's like obviously a lot worse when you've won 0% of your games in a city in 25 yeah. years. But it truly, it anyway. really doesn't get mentioned often. Yeah, it's weird. It's like by a wide margin, the worst one. You can't get much lower than zero. So you can try. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you yes, know. <laughs> I, I guess. You um, can challenge. Like- you can challenge. Um, uh, it must be challenging to be a Bulldogs fan. That's all I'll say. Oh dear! I, I mean, love, today, today, Gus said declared Adam Reynolds the signing of the season. It's like, mate, he's played in two wins, and they were both against the Bulldogs. Like, and he, well, calm down. you know, and he's seen both of those wins. That's true. So, I know what you want from him. Like, oh, he Adam Reynolds was absolutely exceptional in that game. He was and great. Really he was great. Year, but but fuck, you won two games with him, and they were both against the yeah. worst team in the league. Yes, exactly. But he's been he has been a fantastic signing for us. But it's also one of those. It's really hard to call a guy like Adam Reynolds a signing of the season because like he's, he's basically done everyone, what we thought he would do. Everyone knows knows he was good. We paid a price for him. He's got a few years. Like, yeah. It's like if we got you know, it's like if the Titans got Cam Smith, he, he retired for a million dollars. Yeah. Oh, geez, hasn't Cam Smith been good? It's like yeah, he's the best player in the, in the world. It's like <laughs> oh yeah, well, Jesus, how'd they see this signing? I don't know, mate. Yeah, crazy hey, but yeah, he's been exceptional with the Bulldogs, man. Like, like I mean, Trent Barrett's a woeful coach. Who knows how long he's got left there? But just they rolled over so easily, man. They outgained us in this game. They had more meters than us. Yeah. And they and they lost by 20 because they just rolled over. Like the moment we had the ball, they like they they got the ascendancy back at the end of the game. They rolled over. It's embarrassing, hey. They took a lot of it turned when they took uh, Jacob Kiraz off. I think he had a cramp or something. But I thought he was playing really well. And then I think you guys found a lot of joy in their back line. I don't know what happened. He went off and they seemed a lot more disjointed, which, I mean, shouldn't be happening when a rookie center goes off the field. But um, I thought he was good for them if we're trying to find positives. But yeah. yeah and now another, he's on. Um, well, yeah, he's, he's on some development deal, right? So he's back in, <laughs> not in the 24 this week or some shit. So yeah, um, so he can't play this week. So yeah. Um, but there you go. yeah. Nice. That's that's something nice to be excited about. But there's very few things. I mean, it's good for them. I guess Adakar got involved a little bit more, scored a couple of tries. But yeah, they they were absolutely horrendous in the second half again. And this has been a real problem for them. There's a problem at Souths too. It's like they have these decent starts. They go okay, and then they just completely fall away. And they did it again. Um, and that's like. Uh, and look, we're not going to get into this because you know how we everyone who listens to this knows how we feel when people say things like, "Oh, the coach isn't out there." doing this and doing that. It's like, well, they kind of are. And I don't yeah. know, this keeps happening every week where they just fall to pieces late in games. And whether that's a conditioning thing or whether that's a strategical thing or a combination of those, it doesn't matter. It's still at its core, not just a player issue. It's a coaching issue as well. And they've got big issues. Mate, he has won four of 30 games as the Bulldogs coach. That is not good. I mean, that's not. He has. What does he want? That's thirteen. Well, that's twelve point. That's twelve. Twelve point five percent, right? You know, the only coach that I had with the worst record is the coach in the nineteen thirty five season, the year they <laughs> like, like 
Yeah, the year they've they conceded like what sixty points four times. They yeah ninety one nil and ninety one to six and something nil right. Yeah. Yeah, yep, that's the worst. That's previous worst coach. Like even like Steve Georgialis when he filled in ninety one six and eighty seven seven. Like yep. Steve Georgialis is terrible filling in of like two from eleven is a better win record than Trent Barrett has. It's terrible and seemingly like Gus took the pressure off him. There just doesn't need to be been as much pressure on him as they should be. And he did that at the Bulldogs. He won twenty nine from seventy four Manly, like a forty percent win record with Manly with that team he had. Who then obviously when he left and they got Des back immediately made the finals again. Yeah, so he has a career win percent of thirty one percent as a coach. That's, That's terrible for over a hundred games, and he somehow like people are like, oh, he's not out there making the tackles and making the mistakes. Like, well, he kind of is. He kind of makes a team list of snakes, you know. Like, you know, not even just to mention Jacob Carras. They can't play him for development reasons, okay? But the other one, Aaron Shop was fantastic in this game. They re-signed him in the off season. Coming to the season, you know, a good friend Sam Anderson, for example, me and him, huge fans of his. Like, for mine, he was like first pick back that wasn't Ado Carr. Wasn't in the side, you know, right. comes in really good on the weekend. Jake here has what he can't be in for development issues, but not, you know, was, hasn't been in the side. They haven't found a way to get him in there. Like it's not a great sign for the coach when guys like Aaron shop weren't near first pick. And then Jaden Walker comes back in. He sucks, but he was one of the first ones pick first round. And just how bad that on week to week basis, mate, how easy they rolled over, how their attack, like, the post game on Fox is really very good, but this one was quite good having Ennis on there with um, Anasta and Benji and actually just talking footy for once. And they spent the most of the time at the Bulldogs and it started with some boring stuff about, you know, we didn't get cramped back when I was a Bulldog garbage, but it got into it later. It's like this, this team just keeps playing. Like they keep changing the team every week and they keep trying to play this really long sleep, sweeping structured type of football and it just doesn't fucking work. They haven't got the good enough players to do it, mate. Like, they haven't got guys. There's not enough guys in that team who'll beat their man one-on-one. If they if they put, like, half the – shop's good now, but, right, a lot of their players put in positions like Talakai don't do anything with the football, right? Yeah. They couldn't get him in the position anyway. They just, a lot of guys, they're not good enough to, to play the top of footy. They're a, lot of it's, a lot of it's deck chair shuffling as well. It is. Um, and they go – they spread it and they give the ball. They just – they spread it to Burton without anybody going forward ever. And he gets the ball, like, eight metres from the line. And it's like, oh, yeah. Good luck, you know. And the tries they score, like you know, Dufty scores a bit of broken play there, and out of cars, okay-ish. But it's like, mate, they work so hard for points. And yeah, we all know now that like the Bulldogs, well, they scored this year less points than Ryan Pappenhausen. Like, yes. year, you know, well, yeah, hey, he's outscored four teams now. Yeah, so and they've scored the same amount of points as the Storm scored in one game. I know it's a big bar, but they've scored seventy points in seven rounds. And this is a dude we all know he's attacking coach, whatever. All those signings, mate, to be sitting last with seven with seventy points scored is embarrassing. It's and it's not many points. It's not. And, and, um, and yeah, it's not. And Brisbane were woeful for this in this game, mate. Like I, I have I said on the podcast weeks ago, I don't get angry or as passionate in games much this year as I had in the past. But I did in this one because like we have to beat the Bulldogs. You know, if we can't beat the Bulldogs, what the fuck are we doing here? So I That's was true. up and angry. I was I the same way last week. Yeah. Yeah, I was furious at them in the first half and like furious at Billy Walters, whatever. And I just, but I knew the whole game, I knew like if we just like hold the ball for a few sets, we'll win this game. And pretty much this what happened, mate. Like we scored in the 55th, 61st, 66th, 73rd, 76th. Just bang, 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 we scored. We're not good enough to do that, but we no. did it because they roll over. Like, like Corey Pakes 
I was screaming. Oh, he was great. Hey, to he be fair, no up. one's no one's run the ball from dummy half for the Broncos this year, so they they, they weren't expecting it. Well, I was saying that, like you know, and I get the Billy in the pacing is better in theory than in practice. I get the theory. Theory is like Tom Starling at the Raiders. You don't want like, Corey Pakes in a very good defender can't handle eighty minutes. Billy's terrible. They need to find someone else to fill that role in. He was terrible in this game. Costly. Six again after six again conceded in the first half. Penalties, mistakes, and just wants to do too many things. You know, I think he knew he was on the field for 25 to 30 minutes and tried to do too much. And he made a lot of mistakes doing that. But then Pakes came on, as you said, no one had run, but that set before he scored, I was yelling at the TV and Anna was going to test. She was very upset with me, but like yelling at him for dark, just you have a dark Corey. I kept yelling because like they were, that's what you're saying, mate. No one running for dummy half of Brisbane allows the defenses to compress and push and push up as well. And what happened there was like, yeah, they, they weren't expecting a dummy half run. He darted and he scored because they never dummy half run. But like he added a lot. The team, what a shock, moved much better all of a sudden once he was on the field. But the part of it why it moved better is because he just gave the ball to Adam Reynolds. Clean ball to Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds did the things. Remarkable. Simple game. How much difference sometimes. that can make. Yep. Simple game Think- sometimes. Like Kane <laughs> Haas was going forward. He gave the ball to Adam Reynolds a lot. And then all of a sudden, like first time this year, the right edge properly sung. It wasn't like give the ball to Tony and beat his man. The right edge, every time they got the ball for the last 20 minutes, what they're going to score. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. They're impressive. Um, it's, yeah. The, I don't know what, how, how, I don't even know how to feel if you're Bulldogs fan at this point. Like they're just so poor. They're just so bad. They're just so, so, so bad. bad. And look, we, boring, we called, boring, we called, boring. Boring's the worst thing you can be. Mm-hmm. At least, like, at least the Titans are like chaotic a lot of the time, even though they're mm. shit. And it, like, even when Souths are crap, you know, the Chris Sandow years, I still had like Chris Sandow and John Sutton and stuff chucking the ball around. It was fun, at least. This is just bad. It's not good. Why would you want to watch like, this? And you know, before this game, I know they had all those issues and injuries and similar, but after mm. the game started, you know, and you said Karaz played well. I think Karaz played well, mate, because he's not part of their fucking bullshit. He's not part of their, like, he doesn't sit at training with them every week white fill in those structures and stick to it he looked really good because he just got the ball and did things if you get me he came in field danced around broke a few tackles made some runs and he was doing what he saw in front of him as the old cliche says but he was playing natural footy the rest of me gets stuck in that slow sweet play bullshit garbage this garbage and they're not going to score points with the guy the players they have doing that but yeah i don't know what how you, you can't look up as a bulldogs fan there is no hope <laughs> like the cap's full reed marnie's awesome but like that's still not going to solve who's your seven, who's your one. Why did we sign all these backs and most of them suck? You know, Pangai has been one of their best players, but still feels like Pangai hasn't been what he can be. It just doesn't solve all those issues, does it? No, it's weird because Paul Vaughn's been okay too, but he has been. But yeah, and they take on a Brisbane side, right? Who played Tyson Gamble was an embarrassment at six. And tomorrow Martin, I thought was really good, but you know, he's first game, game of first grade in years. Like if you're going to beat anybody, that's one of the games you got. You got to win, you know. Mm. And yeah, no, he was awesome, uh, mate. Tyson Gamble was worse than Billy, and of course, the name on change we won. But t- like, the Bulldogs were given two intercepts from him, and he kicked one into one of their guts, and they only scored points from when he kicked it into Pangai's guts on the counter. They dropped both the intercepts. Like, come on, <laughs> bad. Yeah, but yeah, I was um. Speaking of deck chair shuffling, this is very much something Trent Barrett would do. I was reading about the 1935 Bulldogs when we were talking about the margin mm. thing earlier. And when they lost 91 to 6, they uh, they gave the captaincy to someone else for the next week. <laughs> the and old they... captain stayed in the team. Uh, yep. but they they put in, put through through the through the through the cut the keys to the car to uh 
Fred Sponberg. And they Frank lost Sponberg. 87 to 7. And they lost 87 to 7. Yeah. Mate, all I'm knowing is Basil Crawford wouldn't be sitting here right now and watching this current team be very impressed, I'll tell you that much. Jack Hartwell Sr., he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't yeah, be proud. Uh, Fred <laughs> Chaplin didn't die for this. He didn't. And like it's just quite it has been quite ironic watching the the Gus praise us after the game because we, we were embarrassed. The end the winning at the end, how they played at the end was nice to see because that's what we know that this team can have in it as a Broncos fan. We know that you know Payne Hustle is exceptional. We know that. We know that Cobo and has lots of potential and Reynolds is kicking is great. Really good to see that for 30 minutes. But really, we should have been out of the game by then. We were that bad. The game should have been over. Bulldogs let us in, we won. And yeah, you look through it for the Bulldogs now with how you know, when, who do they beat? They might maybe the Raiders are playing as bad as them. And then yeah, they're bad. The Tigers have somehow turned it around. They've got two Tigers games coming up, which is great for uh, if you're a Bulldogs fan. But somehow yeah. they're as bad. Yeah, they stink. They just it's just not good. Um, I don't really see it turning around soon. Who do they play this week? I forget everybody. Roosters, uh, I think, right? Roosters. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, they've been out of form too, so that's a good opportunity for them to play themselves back into it. Um all right, the Cowboys still don't know, know if they're good or not, but they were really good in this game. Um, moving Dave Fafita to center was not the tactical masterstroke the Titans thought it would be. Uh, defensively, he got absolutely bathed. Um, the defending, not just by him, but by other people on that side, off that scrum try to Scott Drinkwater was, I mean, not good, it's fair to say. I mean, it showed exactly what happened, right? It showed that they threw for Peter in there a day beforehand and they hoped that it'd work because none of those dudes, all three, like, all three or four of them froze. No communication when Scott Drinkwater, like Drinkwater with the ball, like he's the yin and yang of rugby league players, perfect balance. One of the best in the game to watch his ball in his hand for mine and one of the worst the other side. But he, you know, a couple of dummies and he was through untouched. Embarrassing, hey? Yeah, real bad. Um, I mean... Yeah, I, 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 they were so bad in this game. Like they were absolutely terrible, and it got to the second half. People were like, oh, now the Titans are going to start their comeback, and it just you know didn't happen in this one. Um, second half was really bad. Like nothing literally happened. The Cowboys were just going through the motions. They got a couple of very late tries, but for the most part, this game was like I mean, they just kept them at arm's length, and I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I mean, I enjoy okay. seeing the Cowboys do well. Um, uh. Yeah, I assume you've got a lot of anti-Titans things to say. I do. And it's like, like I didn't think they were very good last year. Obviously, they made the finals with a losing record. And that generally seems, that always validates. And I used, I remember people was calling me spoiled when I was very angry with the Broncos made it, the Seabold year made the finals. And it's like, no, because it just makes you think you're not as that bad as you were. And the Titans won 10 games last year. And they went into the offseason and they punted their captain. They thought, this is, we're red hot. We've got rid of our captain. Jaden Campbell's the future at fullback, extending him for a few years, planned Brimson to be six. Like these are things they planned on doing and they did them. And then in sign guys, like Isaac Lee was a great player, great career at the Roosters. They signed Isaac Lee for some reason. And, you know, they come into the season with that spine and they're going to this weekend now with their third fullback of the year and Will Smith at number six. Like, what are we doing here? Hmm. Like, what are we, what, what, what the hell are we doing here? Like that's your what? team after seven rounds. I mean, I know he got hurt, but like not keeping Jamal Fogarty didn't make sense to me at the time. And it's made even less sense as time's gone on. It's just one of those things, mate. Like 
it's it makes sense until the season actually starts. Like, yeah, this you got to get mate, the young kids got to get a chance. You know, he's got he looked so good. Whatever, you got to get a chance. But what we've already seen is that he could have had a chance after like two weeks when Jaden Campbell got injured. Bang, Brimson goes to fullback, and then straight away he goes into the six. You know, because as if six sex they could have benefited from sex and having one more year behind Fogarty, learning, trying to work his way into the position, maybe stealing the job. You know. Don't know why they did that. And obviously it's cap issues, but they spent about $4 million on forwards for God knows why. Like for feeder, you can build around for feeder and Tino and Mofo. But if you have those guys, you know, you can't go, in my opinion, you can't then go and sign like Herman SASA, have Sam Lasone's contract, pay Jared Wallace, keep Kevin Proctor, uh, sign Isaac Liu. And then even guys like Jaman Jolliffe, he's great. Like, but like, should you not, you know, if you've got your two massive or three massive big money forwards in uh, Tino, Fafita, and Mofo. Should you not have them surrounded by like Fermor and Jolliffe and other cheaper dudes rather than spend money on Liu? Like they would have, they have like a mi- over a million dollar cap in Liu and Jared Wallace. For what reason? And Jared playing, Wallace has really gotten worse this year. Yeah. And they're getting rid of him, you know, so whatever. And then there's like, obviously they'll get that cap space this year. But then they've also got Aaron Clark as their only hooker option somehow. Tana's the backup. Going to the season. So before the season kicked off, essentially, they had one fullback, it seems like. They had no depth chart because Jaden Campbell got injured, so they had to lo- like take Sarko from us. Sarko sucks, and now they put Brinson back there. But Will Smith's really their next drop half? Like, for a team that people think should be competing for the top eight, embarrassing. And they don't really get scrutinized because, like, they're the Gold Coast Titans. They're not from Sydney. They're not the Broncos. Yeah. Nobody really cares when they suck. And they're a team now. They haven't had a winning season since, what, 2010? Like, they've made the finals twice. But yeah, they but they won, well, they won, what, 10 games last year out of 24 or something? Yeah, and they in 2016, they won 11 games. They haven't won over 12 games since 2010 when they won 15. They've only won, had two winning seasons in their history. And they're not treated like, that, that's an embarrassment. Like how can That's you sign? Really bad. How can you sign for feeder? Have all that good press. Sign Tino, and this is what you do with them. And for feeder was garbage in the weekend. And yes, he hasn't performed to the salary. All that garbage, whatever. People know I'll defend him, but he. It's up to that club to put their players in positions to succeed. Putting for feeder at the centres the day before the game is not that. No, well, I mean they just saw how well it worked with Talakai and thought, hey, let's try that. Yeah, and uh, it works with Talakai because, you know, again, if Afida got the ball with Talakai got it, he'd score like seven tries a game. If yeah. he got good, clean ball like that, one-on-one, he'd, he'd put points up every week, but he doesn't. And then in this team, like, what's the point of having, you know, they re-signed Corey Thompson, right? What's the point of having Corey Thompson that when your first back gets injured, your answer is not bringing Corey Thompson in, it's moving Kevin Proctor into the back row for Afida to the centres. Joke. Yeah, it's, I, mate. it's crazy that Philip Sami not playing triggered them to do like five stupid things. And Kevin Proctor came back into the team and gave a penalty away. I think the first hit up after the opening kickoff, and then he gave away another yeah. penalty three minutes later, and the Cowboys scored off that set. And it's yeah, like, and, man, and the Cowboys uh, are getting better than being that team that beats you if you don't turn up. They just seem they've done that for a few weeks and they don't make mistakes. But it feels like they're growing a leg as they keep beating these teams. Absolutely. Um, like, Drinkwater's been great for their attack. Val's been great in the centers. Hiku's playing pretty good footy. Did and t- 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 doing their jobs. Like, 
Nanai has up and down moments, but he seems to find a way to score every week. Luki's looking at home on the edge there when he when he comes on. Like, yeah, they're looking pretty uh, good. They are. All right. Um, fuck, just useless. Uh, I'm talking about Souths, obviously. I know. Um, absolutely terrible performance. Um, I think we were talking earlier. They it was the, the the they dropped the ball and gave the ball away so much that the play the ball disparity was one of the biggest ever in an NRL game. It was like seventy or eighty difference, yeah, which is the, usually, the... which is usually like an insurmountable thing. But the Tigers weren't good either, so they won by a field goal. So yeah, fantastic. the the um the rap the Tigers since twenty thirteen. It's only got back to twenty thirteen. I have is uh that was the equal most sets in a uh, complete sets in a game since then. So. Equal with the Dragons on 46 complete sets a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, um, it, it's it's hard to win when the other team has the ball for, and completes at 98% or whatever it was. But man, South still probably should have won this. And I mean, their execution late in the game, particularly Ilias, was not good enough. Um, I mean, miss, miss playing that pass that hits Campbell Graham, he gives, gives Luke Brooks a try. And then we all laugh about it because it was funny. But that set that somehow ends with Jaira kicking a field goal because none of the key spine players are in the right position. It's just, it's unforgivable almost. And we knew they were going to struggle organizationally when Adam Reynolds left, but it, it's got to be better than this. And this was, I mean, you, you can cop losing to, you can cop losing to Melbourne or Penrith and you can cop a weird round one result against Brisbane, like whatever. But this game, this is the loss that I think has pissed me off the most by a mile of any South game this year because, I mean, they if they were fit, like every time they kept the ball, they would make sixties. They were pounding them through the middle. They were absolutely pounding them. They just needed to not drop the ball every time they got it, and they would have won this game by twenty. And instead, they lost. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not worried, but like, I think I've pretty much made my peace that we're going to finish like sixth or seventh and have a brave second round finals loss. Mate, like, I think you said a lot of it there, which, you know, some of this, the work from the senior players in that team, like, Elias has obviously not been fantastic every week. And me and you have joked about him in similar, and he's had good moments and bad moments. But my immediate takeaway from that field, I laughed at Jared, but immediately I was like, why the fuck has Jai got the ball? And I know we were, like, laughing at Jai, but you, and not until I watched the replay proper did I realise, like, how bad that set was beforehand. Like the tackle before, um, like they spread it left. Ilias goes left, and it's, it's Tane Milne. I think it's tackled on the touchline there. Cook picks the ball up, and no one's ready for, to receive it. So Cook like just stands still a little, gets tackled, and offloads. So he's hit the ground, right? So then anyway, the next they spread it while he's on the ground, and Cody spreads it right with Cam Murray for Keon to get tackled. But when, when Keon gets tackled, Cody just stands still on the blind side. He stands there. And then Blake Tars, he's like near to play the ball. But he he looks around and Cook's not there yet. So Taff goes to dummy half. And then Cook's running to dummy half. So they end up in a situation where it gets back to Ilias. Is that Ilias is the only man like behind them, essentially. The only dude. So there's Cook half and Walker within two meters of each other standing next to the play of the ball and then Ilias in the pocket and whilst he had to have a snap at it it's the wrong spot for a right-footed kicker they had to they had to 
set like when the ball back to Cody or Cam Murray, set it back the other way. Like Elias is kicking it, turn it back on the inside. They didn't, and then two senior players like Cook and Walker cannot be standing still on the blind side watching Elias in that instance. They just watched him. They stood still and watched the whole play. Nobody like this. There's no one was it, there was like even then he gets the ball right. Why did Cody Walker not drop back into the other pocket as another option? Yeah, you're and asking la- some good questions. Yeah. And we laugh at, and we laugh at Ilias and Arrow, and it is Ilias's mistake to give it to Jairo. He should have at that point because it was he was getting charged down. He wasn't confident in kicking it because of his, you know being right footed. He should have just kicked it into the corner, you know, or put a kick up. That's what he should have done. And it doesn't happen like this if the trail's there. It, we know that it doesn't happen, but the reality is the trail's out, and you have two other guys on near a million bucks a year in that spine. And they need to fucking do something. Not Ilias, not Taft. Those guys need to do something. Cody Walker, mate, they catch you over Adam Reynolds because you're supposed to be the dude, and you have not been the dude. You need to do something in those moments. Yeah, he's yeah, he wasn't great. It's yeah, it's it's sad. Yeah, the loss aged terribly for me, you know, after like sometimes you said there, you think, oh yeah, crazy things happen, you know, sometimes. And you look back, it's like, geez, as you said, they, they, yes, they had no ball. Yes, they kept dropping it. Yes, the tires completed crazy amounts. They were just killing them when they, when they had the ball. They still, like, even with all the defending Souths had done, everyone that had the ball, they mowed it upfield. I mean, that set with, ended in the arrow field goal. They made like 70 meters off that set, didn't they? Like, yeah. You made 40 less meters than them on 45 less runs. That's crazy. Like you had the you had twenty one less sets than them, and you made forty less meters. That's how much That's you were killing them on the in the meter battle. Ridiculous! You made over ten more meters a set, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Over, it over is. That's quite game. a lot. And you lost on like those, and you know, Ilias when he threw the ball into Campbell Graham's arm wasn't great either. But he's gonna make rookie mistakes, and it just to me it feels like it's after some of the other guys to stand up a bit more rather than yeah. to let him have, make those mistakes and watch them happen all the time. Yeah. I don't think it's helpful saying things like, oh, why isn't Cody Walker playing and stuff like that? But man, he's got to be doing more in games like this. Yeah, he has to be, man. And like, he has to be touching the ball more, more than he and then he did. I know he's not that guy, but there's some, some weeks he's got to lift, mate. Like, he had less touches than Ilias. And then the other side of the field, like, I can't say it's an official record because of those stupid games that uh, that teams named hookers at halfback, but Jackson Hastings touched the ball with what 105 times in that game, like 102. Sorry, which what I looked at was a record for guys who actually played halfback. Like there's sixes have had more, and then there's been guys at halfback, like when Peter Wallace got named and played hooker, touched them more. But the other side of the field is like Jackson Hastings is the one who looked like the seasoned player who was like owning the result, you know? And he's not got half the talent of Cody Walker, but in that game, he marshaled the troops around. And in that last set, man, like you watch that last set and it's like, he knew he wasn't kicking the field goal, but you watch that and it's like, dude, how is, how is Jackson Hastings, a guy that was considered a bit of a meme, how is he the guy who led the team in the field for that last field goal set, pointed them all around, yeah. then got Luke Brooks to kick it and pointed and deferred, whatever. He's that guy at 26. And there is how many other halfbacks in the competition who still don't know what the fuck to do when the game is level with five minutes to go. I don't know how that happened, but it, it's a good sign for guys like Hastings and 
you know, it just helped. Like for him, it's world of good that he had the balls to move to England. You go over there and the game's slower. The line speed doesn't exist as much. And you can see he plays with patience, but it, it kind of lets you learn a bit more. Like NRL's fast. It's so fast that sometimes you don't slow down and it takes young halves a couple of years to really get to the speed of it. Whereas if you go to England when it's a bit slower, it's almost like it gives guys like Hastings time to to really steer a team around, to really pick their moments and similar. And he's come back with like a field general type thing. Like, like Blake Green came back with it too. Just that level of confidence he came back from England with. And you watch guys like, you know, Brooks is one of them and you can't change him ever, but Brooks is still frantic and always will be. And it's never changed. And the game's probably fast enough here for it. But guys like Hastings to come back with that patience and, it just makes you wonder about how often we give up on early halfbacks with uh, halfbacks with talent that maybe teams should try and figure out, like loan them to England for like two years. If a player yeah. wants to go, figure it out. Good question. But um, yeah, look, yeah, uh, that's the thing, right? Like the Tigers are getting praised for this resurgence stuff. And I don't want to rain on their parade. And I think most Tigers fans listeners are pretty realistic when it comes to this sort of thing. They're obviously happy that they won, but like mm. they weren't good in this game. Like they didn't play they well. They, 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 Hastings, they Hastings executed okay. that last set very well, mm-hmm. but like they should all six game easily. Like there's that moment where they, Nofaluma tried to sort the ball going over the sideline and threw it backwards without looking. And all Cody Walker had to do was pick it up and give yep. it to Alex Johnson, and they would have gone 90 meters and scored. And that would have probably, like, um, but he, Cody Walker just drops a ball that bounces into his chest. Like we were so shit. So, so, so shit. And you, were, you were only good when you had 12. Yeah, weird. just very weird. Um, yeah, just really annoying. And Manly's team this week is not great. So if Seattle's a fair income, they need to really show up and bounce back from this. If they if they put in a clunker here, I'll start to actually worry. But yeah, now like it's in this game, like, like, yeah, on top of that stuff, they lost Dane Laurie at half time. You know, yeah. he was out at half time, and then like God, look, Jacob Little ch- chased down <laughs> Lachlan Ilias, poor Ilias, but like, they lost their fullback at half time. They came in really, really hampered. Like, uh, just it's just gross watching them lose. And the Tigers, like you said, there is credit to them. So you don't want to rain on their parade, but obviously a lot more has been made out of the wins because of the struggles they've been through. Mm. But essentially, they just hung around and watch you guys fuck up. It's a good game plan all the time. <laughs> it is. And uh, like, I will talk about it just because I'd hate that. But that Alex Johnson thing is a try. It is try by the by the rules. But God, I hate. I hate how held up has morphed into that. I hate that, like, yep. He had the ball held up for like eight seconds right? and then he got it free. And it's a try. There's nothing, whatever, that's how they rule it. But it's just like, I feel like an old man, but it just, it just started happening one day. And I shared yeah. a video like 10, like 2014. It's one of the examples I remember. Like Vito caught a bomb, was held up for maybe a second in the in goal and offload. And they called that held up. When did it change to like, I don't know. You get to help because people talk about the El Madri one from the grand final, right? You watch that again. That's pretty quick. He jumps on a guy, then jumps again. And Shannon Haggerty's clapping in the background instead of helping. It's great. Yeah. But it's like, that's not, people think that's an example, but you watch that now and watch these ones. Like Johnston was held up for like seven seconds, seven, eight seconds and got to offload and they were allowed to score. And again, I've no issue with it being given because that's the ruling they do now, but just how did that become the ruling? I don't know. It sucks. I thought that was very impressive from Alex Johnston carrying five players over the line and offloading. And I think that if a more fashionable winger had done that, people would have been a lot more, uh, complimentary for that effort. I thought it was really More good. And I thought, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being, no, I'm serious. Like if, 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 yeah. if, if someone like Josh Adokar or, or whoever had done that, it would have been a, a lot more would have been made of it. And because Alex Johnson and he's, he's just a joke to a lot of people that 
catches the ball and falls over the line. When he does good things, they get ignored. And I think he, along with Campbell Graham and Keon, were the only players in this game that played well for South, which, yeah, if you're trying to find positives, which I'm not, but he has had a good season. Yeah, he has had a good season. And then the other side of the field, like Mansour, Gross, and then Tane Milne filling in for Paulo, who's bad in a different way. Yeah. Like, Paulo was bombing tries with turnovers. But like Ta- that position needs to be tasked as in the short term future, I think. So Mills yeah, suspended this week, this week. So yeah, hopefully he brains it and just stays there because yeah, look, Milne, I don't think is the answer either. He fell for the dumbest decoy I've ever seen when he just wanted to smash Luke Garner for no reason. Like yeah, that was really Luke Garner was never getting oh, that ball. Like, yeah, that was so bad. Like he he smashed Garner after the ball went. It was really bad. Like, he was like, um, he, just, he just did that. It felt like he did that because he just couldn't resist smashing him. Hey. Yeah. He's he's not been the answer. I'm back on my dang gag I take. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. But, um, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Very, very frustrating stuff. Um, although dang gag is not really having a happier time at the moment himself. Uh, they lost 39 to 2. Um, I was at the Sydney Kings game when this was on, so I didn't see it. Uh, it doesn't sound like I missed a whole lot. Um, oh. I yeah. mean, I think some of it, like the Knights of the fuck, they just get an injury every week. Like, I don't have to make excuses for them. They were still bad, but like Gagai's injured now as well. Like, just every week they lose someone at the moment. And um, they just, like, they haven't got the depth to do that. Like, you know, this week they're playing Sasangi out there. Okay. Like, but, uh, and the Eels did come in with center issues, but I actually. Obviously, I laughed at like Jacob Arthur going to six and Dylan Brown going to the centers. But to be honest, like the way they they did that, like I was pretty impressed with the the active coaching effort to to how they set that up. Like if you haven't seen the game, if you've seen the tries, but a lot of the good ball sets they actually put Brown like in as sort of like the back row and Lane in the centers. And you know the Sean Lane scored in the in the back row on that edge, but then. Uh, he, he set up uh, who's who's on the wing there? What's his name? Uh, Perham, sorry, set set him up in the centers on that side. Then Brown scored as a back roller on that edge, and they switched a bit in attack. And it was just you know they didn't have a genuine center, but they kind of made up for it doing that. And when you're on top, it's a bit easier to do considering they're on top of the entire game. But I was I was impressed with that bit of a uh, bit of coaching on the fly, try something new, it worked, and they'll probably do it again this week and hope it goes okay. But it's been really embarrassing for the Knights. Like, there is a few injuries, but they were shit from the start of this game in front of their 25-odd thousand fans. Started poor, got dominated, got out game like 700, 700 on metres, and you can't blame one single player, but there's not many uh, Knights players you can hold their head high after this one. I thought Edric tried his guts out being back in the NRL, but only three of their dudes made 100 metres and none of them were forwards. Not a good sign. Yeah, um, I don't, their injury toll is getting silly, but I mean, there's no really, they shouldn't be this bad. Um, they're now really down in the muck with all those bad teams. I mean, they lost to the Dragons. They got absolutely pantsed by Manly. They got held scoreless by Cronulla. They got well beat. I mean, basically since Mitch Barnett got sent off, it's been disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, one incident shouldn't, turn a season and it probably hasn't there's a billion other factors at play but it is just funny it seems like in that moment he, he just like knocked out all the <laughs> hopes and dreams for 2022 
with one yeah. dirty shot. But well, I think it's one of those things as well. That it's a it's a dirty like obviously the Knights fans are glad he's gone, but with the, they do miss him currently as the player yeah. he is. You know, likable or not, they miss Mitch Barnett on the field. Um, they play the Storm this week, so that'll go well. Yeah, well, with Sasangi in the centres. Oh, good. and and what we learned from this game on the weekend that if you have a weakness, the Storm will not. They won't chip away. They'll just, <laughs> they'll just, they'll just they'll go, you know what, mate? We'll just leave you alone. You know. Your idea, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, the Raiders are also at panic stations. I think um, they were smashed here, um, thirty-six to six. Um, the Viking Club thing to me was a classic example of one of those things where no one really gave a shit apart from like two people, but then there was a million people on the internet doing the like reaction to the reaction that didn't you know what i mean like yeah. remember when malcolm turnbull drank a beer at like a game while he was yeah. holding a baby and there was like a million people going oh who cares if he has a beer and i was like i can't find a single person who's like mad that he had a beer and this was the same thing i didn't like i saw isaac luke was annoyed at the panthers but by and large most people just thought it was funny but i saw a million people responding going oh who cares if they mock the viking clap it's, it's just a bit of banter i'm like yeah, I, I think everyone. I think everyone agrees with you. I don't. don't I don't know where this response to outrage is coming from because I haven't seen the outrage. But I thought that was funny. More, th- more stuff. More harmless piss taking in the NRL, please. Yeah, I sort of. I, the Viking Club piss take. I have no absolutely zero issue with that. None. You know, so I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, so perfectly fine with the Viking Club piss take. But the the real piss take in this game is the fucking Raiders. They suck. Yeah, they're a spoon contender. Campo thinks they're getting... I spoke to him last night. He thinks they're getting the spoon. Well, they, they're they have... Than, they're better than the Bulldogs. Yeah, but they're, you know, they have the rate of, the least meters through seven rounds in NRL history. Yeah. There's been okay. some bad teams in NRL history, mate. <laughs> so, um, that's not great. It's not. Uh, Ricky's still under no pressure whatsoever. Um, no, I had to laugh. Great. I saw a, um, like Fox did there last week. They did like a pressure rating for coaches, and it was yeah. just the bottom five teams without one of them. Mm. The rate, Ricky, no pressure, mate. It's crazy. The protection racket is so crazy. But um, yeah, they stink. They absolutely stink. And he had the, I know when you're desperate, you do things like this, but he went after the refs as well. It's like, mate, I know there was some bad call, a couple of bad calls, but like you lost by 30. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You lost by thirty. Your team has made what eight thousand five hundred and fifty-five. So yeah, fifty-five meters through through seven games. Like terrible. Another game. This game they had one player made a hundred meters and just Papali. That was updated after the game. But like Dylan Edwards, you know, the fullback on his own made what two hundred and sixty-eight meters. Sorry, two hundred and fifty-eight meters of twenty-six runs. The entire Raiders back five or 46 runs made 263 meters. That gained him by five meters. <laughs> that's not great. That's really it's not, not great. And it's more to do. That's not, I'm not trying to pump up Edwards in that one. I'm not saying he's bad either, but it's like they had 46 runs for 263 meters in their back three. That's like five meters a run. Like, and backs get three meters, mate. You know this. What the fuck? Uh, it's it's very, very bad. Um, I don't know how they turn this around. I don't think they are turning it around. 
no, neither do I. I just they, there's no change to be made. They're not making them anyway. But he's sticking with like Tomoko, Valame, whatever. Savage, who wasn't a winger for a few weeks, is now being tried there. But it pretty much he's sticking with most of the same thing. It's not going to change. You know, Fogarty can come back. It's not going to flick it. flick switch either. I just think uh, they're on the path to to a major shake up this offseason, either him or the squad. And I don't know if the squad wins, even though they should. Yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be nominated for rookie takes, but I did enjoy Adam Elliott afterwards saying, I don't think they're that much better of a footy team than us. Of course he said that, <laughs> idiot. But Pan- Panthers were like, you know, they are one of the most dominant NRL teams in history like, at this point. It's it's hard to put them up there when you talk about the greatest odds of all time. It's It just feels weird because sometimes you watch them and they're they're not fully smooth with the ball with the in attack or with the ball in hand, and they win. But it's no, they don't win in the ways that if you remember, like the really dominant Storm sides won in, or the dominant Roosters, or like the '90s Raiders or the Broncos, and they don't win the same ways those teams do. But they've been like the most dominant team, you know, with the results. In other ways, you get me like they they have they. I don't know if it's exactly the record. But I think their last couple of years, if you combine them, they're like the best team of all time and win loss record. I don't think any team beats them. But they just absolutely pound teams physically. I don't know how they keep the energy every week. We were saying this last year, mate. They have it every single week. Every single week, every year they have energy. They kept the Raiders at 26 metres a, a set. The Raiders made 70, 779 metres for the entire game. And I, it's obviously clear his kicking game is a big part of that. But they just seem to have this rap, rapid kick chase that stays there the whole game. Crazy line speed that's there the whole game. And we've seen teams do it you know, a few times or couple of months or one season they keep doing it like no matter who's there they have this crazy energy obviously have a great fitness regime but i think a lot of it has to do with the fact they're always on top like they're always on top of that field position battle that their forwards are always coming forward like they're never they're they're never getting stuck down their end so like very often and it doesn't seem like much but very often you know in a game you'll hear guys who played say this stuff but when you're getting beaten and the other team's kicking it down to like your 10 and you're a prop you're like, fuck's sake, I have to run back all the way there for tackle two. It is so rare that the Panthers are not starting tackle two, like 30 or 40 out from their own line. And it's like those little edges, 1%, 2% energy to save. It stacks up and it adds up to like that. Cra- they, that's why they could afford the crazy line speed. They have more energy than you. And it's like their field position and territory game that does that. And Ke- Kiri might have the best boot I've ever seen as well. Like just every week at this point. Like I thought Lockyer had the best boot I'd ever see. Because he could, you know, boot the ball in fine grass, the sixty meter straight kicks. But like Cleary's not the best boot I think I've ever seen. And yeah, they don't look like they're stopping. Obviously, in preseason, we try to think of, think of someone else to be more exciting and more fun. But they look more. They look like better back to back candidates than the Roosters that went back to back. Like honestly, it looks like it's like who the fuck's going to beat them? The Storm, maybe. Not us. <laughs> no, no oh, not dear. us. And and they're so relentless, mate. That like all it takes is your team making one or two mistakes and you lose the field position battle. There's so many teams that will, they'll punch with them and swing with them for 30, 40 minutes. Then you, then you make a couple of mistakes and that's it. You lose. They're just so relentless. Yeah. And, it's crazy. Uh, and this, the Raiders are very relenting. <laughs> they are. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're bad. Um, mate. They, they are genuine spook handlers. Hey, remember like a couple of years ago when I called, I said the Broncos were them after like five or six rounds. No one thought they were because, like, oh, look how good their team is and they're the Broncos or whatever. The Raiders have the exact same feels that Broncos team do. Like, they're, they're fighting after they lost the game when they're fighting. But, like, mate, you had 80 minutes to fight. You didn't fight. Mm. You're a coward. Only one, only one guy in that, in that field who played with aggression was like Corey Horsburgh. 
when he came on. And he played 25 minutes, but like just cowardly stuff, mate, fighting after the game. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's never a good sign. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, uh, I'm excited to introduce you to a new fantasy sports platform called Game Day Squad. Uh, it's a new way to play fantasy as you open packs to collect player cards uh, to use for your squad. So, I mean, people can open the packs. They've got a bunch of, I mean, all, the whole pool of NRL players in them. Uh, everyone who signs up receives free starter packs and uh, are encouraged to try op- opening a, a, as, as many as they can. The cards come in six different rarities, each with different score multipliers. So uh, it's currently in beta, but which means there's plenty more features to come. But if you want to learn more, head to gamedaysquad.com.au. We'll, we'll have pack giveaways on here at some point as well. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you do a lot of, playing card trading i obviously play a lot of fifa ultimate team and it's almost a sort of an amalgamation of those two things combined with uh fantasy football as well so yeah it's good fun it's only in beta now essentially it's like it's like you said like ultimate team or also card trading essentially you get to open packs online you own the players forever they're they're serial to different levels you check it out online if you want to but we'll have some pack giveaways we have a promo code which is i have two cam murray's already you do i have a I have some, I have some good players too, and you know, I've got a couple of ones out of five hundred or similar ones out of one hundred. Fantasy platforms coming, we'll be a partner for them for for the coming few months. So uh, we just thought we'd mention it now. They're in beta. Check it out. Uh, promo code gets you twenty percent off. We'll put it in the description. So you need to use a link in the description to use the promo code because again, they're in beta. It doesn't work perfectly, but it's mm. it's good fun. We'll uh, get everyone into it. Like, like everyone can enjoy it in a few coming weeks. Yeah, that's gamedaysquads.com.au. All right. Anzac Day was pretty good. We had one really like close tense game and one hilarious game. So we'll start with the close tense game. Um, ben Hunt's back. He's back in a big way. Um, no one respects the troops more than Anthony Griffin, and he got his boys well and truly up for this game. Oh, mate. He didn't need that. It was just like being in Gallipoli, it felt like, watching mm. it from home. I was like, this. He, he respects the troops almost too much. Mm. You know, like, oh, sorry, we we didn't talk about that. Tell you, did not respect the troops. That Broncos fan, they got fucking did, oh, lit up. Yeah, that's it. If you see if you see a dude with a tucked in Bulldogs jersey with ashes washed jeans, you go the other way. You you get away from that man because that's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he lit that dude up. But anyway, yeah, this game. Um, thought Ben Hunt was absolutely sensational. Um, the Roosters again. Like it just seems like they chuck the ball to Joey or Teddy and ask them to do something good. It's like legit watching two good players on a bad team at the moment, which is crazy to think that that's what we're saying about, you know, the roosters, but it's true. Um, there's a lot of guys there that are just not performing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the performance of Ben Hunt's one of the finest you'll ever seen on the Anzac day, mate. Like the Ottoman empire will want none of that Ben Hunt smoke. I'm no. telling you, mate, how many bombs in world war one went for 40 twenties? Zero uh, bombs. Not many. Yeah. Not many. Ben Hunt, one bombs for 40, 20 in this game when Tupo Seem to watch it. I don't know if Tupo two, I mean, had been playing. He went to two up in the morning and got hammered because he played like it. I mean, who would you have who would you have trusted it to Brook Ben Hunt or Wary Dunlop? I mean, I think it's a conversation now. And what I know from listening to this weekend of rugby league coverage is that it is exactly the same thing. Essentially, correct. Ben Hunt could be an army army general at this point. Hmm. The way he steers the boys around, the leadership, the dedication—you know what you're getting from him, mate. You can all trust him. You know, he's a leader of men. But he was he was fantastic in this game. Even you know Ben Hunt can still make mistakes. There's a couple of ends of sets that weren't that great in this game, but he just uh, for, for 80 minutes, mate, for he slogs his guts out for that team to win. And when halves do that and lead from the front, you see the team go with him. And you know they they played really tough. And it's one of those games again that kind of like the the Tigers win over you guys. Like the Dragons 
weren't exceptional for period a long periods of the game. You know, they got outgained, more line breaks from the Roosters or similar, but mate, they 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 hung around, took advantage of a couple of mistakes, and also forced mistakes. Like so many times, the Roosters thought they were just going to work their way down the field and score, and they forced mistakes out of them. Like Lomax stole a couple of the balls. Uh, there's a couple of times they they caught them. And they thought they could score on fourth or fifth tackle shifting. Like they, they they defended quite well, and I think they got away with it with uh that Jaden Sewer try. Lomax 100% touched that ball. Like people saying it's inconclusive. Pause the thing. You see, like Lomax's middle finger doesn't just move backwards in the middle of the air for no reason. He touched the ball. I've never but, seen uh, that before. First time yeah. that I've seen First them time. do the stop the game, check the try, and then still give the try. It was weird. Mm. But uh. But yeah, he that was definitely touched. Whatever, people didn't seem to think so. But uh, whatever, the Roosters had all game to get back, all get back in that game. Seven line breaks, one thousand eight hundred meters to one thousand four hundred and sixty, and they were terrible. And it's now hit that point that we keep thinking with the Roosters, we thought they'd be hot this season, they're not. But you keep thinking, oh, a couple of weeks and they'll figure it out. It's been seven weeks, and. In those seven weeks, like they, they they were up in Queensland and they only beat Brisbane by four. They found a way to win whatever. They only just beat the Warriors. They lost by 70. They only just beat the Warriors last week by eight. You know, they lost to the Knights in round one. They lost to you guys. They, they smashed the Cowboys. That's about the only convincing win of the season and the manly one. But they haven't been good. They had the Bulldogs this week. And, I'm, I'm, you know, they're going to beat the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs will fancy themselves in it. You know, because once you start losing like the Roosters did as a good team, teams turn up more. Once the doors open, teams turn up. And like just the, their attack is embarrassing, man. Like for the, the, the quality of play they have on paper, why were they better with the with the North Sydney Bears last year? What happened? That's a good question. I don't know what's going on. They're misusing Angus Crichton. Tupanu is not playing well. Um Kiri doesn't look like he's fully back to yeah, what he he's, was he's pre- lost some pace yeah um it's a sum of all those things i guess but as i said before it's just they've got their two guys that they're just giving the ball to and hoping that they create something and that probably will be enough to win a lot of games to be honest but it's not going to be enough when it matters at the end of the year and i'm not going to attack the attack uh this guy but joseph Swali might be the most underwhelming prospect of my lifetime i'm not going to attack him and he could turn out to be amazing as well. But man, like, you know, when you hear about all these kids and you watch them play and sometimes you see it in like 30 seconds, like, geez, that guy's special. Is Swally just big? Maybe. I haven't seen like good hit in this game. And, he, I, you know, and I'm sure he'll turn out fantastic, but I feel sorry for that guy, all the hype he had that, and you see it during the game, people are like, where's Swally? What's he doing? It's like, oh yeah, I forgot. We have to let this guy was at like, the next GI when he was like 15. That doesn't so, help. Doesn't and everyone, everyone's chasing him, whatever he has no. And so, when he comes into first grade, people weren't expecting him to just come in and fill a spot, they expect him to come in and make a difference with the Roosters. And he hasn't because, of course, he hasn't. When the team's not playing well, he's not going to, but he's not near their biggest issues. Like Momorowski's been terrible when they have no answer to that question, right? Like Momorowski doesn't play who plays Kevin Nagama, yeah, Billy Smith, yeah, Why not, not great, no, like, not. Like, but and then Kiri and Walker, man. Like Walker's playing all right, but it just feels like they have them backwards. Like, and I know Robbo's twenty times rugby league might I'll ever be, but it feels like when I mentioned earlier how like the simple it seems the easy things in front of him and he won't do it. You know, just stubborn. It's like why don't you just put Kiri back in the in the six, stick him on a left edge, 
and tell him to stay over there and let and let, let Sam Walker go back into the seven. He plays both sides, and you get Teddy to play both as well, but stick a bit more to the right dominant. You know, why not just do that? Not sure what they're doing. Neither. And as, as you said, I mean, Crichton's like, I had I heard some chat that in the off season he had some disagreements with Robbo about um, he didn't want to move side. You know, he was on the left. He didn't want to move to the right, and then he ended up being benched. Whatever. He had a few disagreements with Robbo. Apparently, maybe it's all bullshit, and I'm wrong. But come home, Angus. Come home. He hasn't played to the level we expect from him this year, and I think you could say that for about every rooster, bar Joseph Manu. Yeah, it is funny though. I've the the Tedesco carry on is getting a bit hilarious as well. Like people think I, I genuinely saw some tweets during this game saying he shouldn't be picked for Origin. Of course, there were those tweets, and like, you know, and me. I mean that last year, like last year, to, obviously Tommy Tavoyevich played him out last year. I uh, played him last year, right? Obviously Ryan Papenhausen's out playing him right now. But when there's guys like James Tedesco who have played good in Origin for what like five years straight, and is still a good player, he's not losing that jersey. Nor should he, to be honest. Nor should he. If he hit a wall hard, I'd get it. But whatever he currently, he's just trying. He's trying to do too much around the field, too much, and you know he's still involved a lot. And he still broke the line twice in this game. He still had 300 meters and 12 tackle breaks. And people walk away thinking he didn't play his best. Yeah, he wasn't like he definitely doesn't feel like the old Teddy. But he's older and he lost some pace. Like there's that line break in this game. Was it Fletcher Baker passing the ball Mm. and he didn't take on uh, Ravalava? I think in the past he just burns over lava, but mm. you know that's part of aging, and, and he's got to adapt with that. That he's twenty nine now; he's not going to have the gas he had when he was twenty. No. Um, anything else you want to talk about this game before we move on? Um, well, I mean, yeah, the, like, I don't know what else the Roosters do. Like, obviously, it's I don't weird. feel sorry for them. It just because no, it's like, it is funny at though. all. It's just bizarre that they're playing so bad. And Tupanua, like, I can't stand Satili Tupanua. And again, Robbo likes him. Might because yet he runs fantastic lines. He drops every second ball and he can't defend. I have that and how Naf White hasn't got a shot yet. I thought Fletcher Baker is really good off the bench for them, mm. but like there's nobody playing their best bar Joseph Manu, and it's it's weird that their best attacking play is Joseph Manu coming in field and just doing something. That's yeah. Their most likely way of scoring is like let's just see if Joey Manu will do something here. It's 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 honestly reminds me of Teddy on the Tigers, or if you want to go a bit further back, right when Souths yeah. had Adam McDougal and would just chuck him the ball. Yeah, and, right. and he was the only good player. Like, and which the roosters—that's that's so below the roosters in 2022. So it is. There's players I have, and um, again we said they played better last year with bums. We'll give Dragons a bit more chat before we move mm. on. I thought yep. Zach Lomax had a fantastic game. He's he had a couple of tough weeks, but defensively really strong in this game and a good attack as well. Uh, Moses Sully stood up quite well. Like he was hampered most of this game and played through it. And they and they won this game. Like they lost. Jack Bird, who you know played five eight, they lost Jack Bird and Jaden Sewer at halftime, pretty much. Like Sewer played a couple of minutes in the second half, didn't he? I don't know, but anyway, they lost those guys, and they still won this game. And you had like Josh McGuire played back row and played well. Okay, it was weird. Like he was good. Like Jack DeBellin had a good game. Sims, hey, great. M- mate, no one respects the troops more than Josh McGuire. Oh mate, he does. He does. He not respect the loves a troop, mate. Troop lower 69, you find him on Twitter, right? Actually, it's his new he handle would, over there. Yep. Uh, Troop lower 68 was taken by Anthony Griffin. That's why, of course, that's why 69. Yeah, but yeah, they put like this they, before this game, even during this game, it felt like the whole way. And you can hear in the commentary, like, we're just like, oh, the Roosters will win this. The Dragons have no right to win this, but they they fucking did. It was a nearly got 14. Um, the main talking point after this game was Daniel Tupo not being sin binned, and 
Andrew Abdo said immediately afterwards that it should have been a sin bin. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I will. Do- he didn't get Simbin because he's Daniel Tupo and he's a winger and he's a nice boy. That's why he yeah. didn't get Simbin. That's why he didn't get Simbin, yeah. Now, I also think it's also the, the, the time period of the game. Like, it's 20-odd minutes to go. Mm. It's one score. Simbin decides that game. I don't know. I feel like if Victor Radley had done the exact same tackle, he would yeah. have got Simbin. Yeah, but I'm saying, okay, if, if that happened, if the Roosters are down 12 with 10 to go, he might have got Simbin. Yeah. You know, or if the game was not active. close at all, he probably yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, I think that's but, probably true too. But regardless... Yeah. Forward definitely gets him been doing that. It was Regardless, terrible. really, really bad. And I'm sure he didn't yeah. need anything by it, but it was really bad and he should have should have gone for, to the burning. Instead, he misses a week. So I guess the Bulldogs are the ones that benefit. So. Yeah, I did laugh. People sort of understand, like... We're never happy, but someone complained he didn't deserve a grade two after the game. And it's like, grade two is one week. Yeah. It's different now, okay? As like, someone said in our Discord today, grade one is you shout coffees at NRL HQ for the week. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and um, he was lucky not to be Simbin, but he had his worst game, I don't know how long. Yeah. From Daniel yeah, Tupo. He really did. He was poor. And like, the, watch, I don't know what he was doing watching that keep bouncing a touch. Even if he didn't think it was a 40 20. Just grab like, it. Mate, mate, there's like two minutes left. You can't afford the scrum. Like, what was he yeah. doing? I'm not sure. Like, Lost he, he was obviously mind. thinking that we'll get a scrum set and then we, yeah, whatever. But it's like, mate, with two minutes, if you get the ball, from like, you know, from 20 out of your line, maybe you could force a repeat at the end if you had to. But it was like, what are you doing, uh, Tupo? But that feels like the Roos is all over this year. Yeah, legit. You don't expect dumb plays like that from the Roosters. And yet, mm. and yet, here we are. And yet. Um, uh, <laughs> the, it's, uh, I, I'm so like, the second half of this game, it was just some of the funniest rugby league you will ever see in your life. It feels like the I easiest said, 70 said analysis would just be 10 minutes of chuckling. And I'm fine with that. Because it was, my God. What? If, it was 16 10 at halftime. It's like, as you said, it, it feels like the easiest 70 point win I've ever seen. Like, again, I haven't seen many of them, but like when they get to 60 or above, it felt like the easiest one because it, it just, it was, as you said, 16-10. And I don't think people say the Warriors are in their games. So they, they were pretty, pretty shit in the first half. Like, just because they threw tries to the Storm doesn't mean they didn't, they weren't tries. They threw tries from pressure. They tried to go around when they didn't earn their way around. But man, they just caved in. Like, the moment the Storm scored that try and DWZ got knocked out, they were like, we've had enough. Yeah, Nathan Brown did say that afterwards. He like he's like, yeah, some guys gave up, and good on it. Like, I mean, look, he he's a master of deflecting blame to other people. We know that, but he's right. Some guys in this game just packed picked up tools, and that DWZ thing was so weird. Like, I watched like ten times when they replayed it, and I had no idea what had happened to him. And then I watched it when I got home. Like, oh, okay, I see. But it looked so innocuous at the time, and then he was like, out, gone, out, out, out. Hey, like just (laughs) as out as you can be. Mm. He was gone. Uh, um, but yeah, it was just some of the tries, like the, the, as I said earlier, we said the, the storm just like they don't they don't let up. Like poor Ed Cosy, like mm. he wanted that game to end from like the first half, and he and they're only, they're only down by six. But that second half, like what they attacked him for what the three coach tries in like ten minutes, in six minutes. Sorry, they were. He just went straight at him. That poor motherfucker. Yeah, not great. Um. And Matt Lodge still had time to hit someone illegally off a kickoff with five minutes to go. That'll that'll turn the boys around. Good stuff. 
Maybe um, well, maybe that's the time that it that you know this mm. is the thing that fixes the game for them. Mm. Who's to but say? Enjoy- I mean, look, it, he he laughed, and, and I mean, all you can do is laugh. It was funny. Brown did get asked about now being in his second seventy to ten loss against Melbourne, one as a player, one as a coach, which is amazing. Like, how does that happen? And um, was asked. I think how it the is team- an all-time record, by the way. I think um, he's the first, only, only player to play in coaching. Look, I tweeted it with confidence. The punters got around me. It's fact now. That's how it works. I ch- so, I checked. I, like, I'm pretty nah. certain. Like, there might be like. I'm pretty certain he's. he's I threw anyway. it out there. I knew one of the nerds would, but you or someone would check it for me. So it's fine. Well, I didn't um, want to fact check you, as I said at the time. No, it's, it's fine. Just... I mean, we, we were almost, co- we were pretty confident that it was true. Um, yeah. But anyway, it was funny because someone said, How did the Dragons bounce back the week after when that happened? And he actually laughed. It was like, Yeah, we were winning with two minutes to go and I kicked the ball out in the full and we lost. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, That's very funny. And of course, that 70 10 loss as a player was the game where he threw the ball into Lance Thompson's head as he fell over. So. Comedy. Uh, this game was a comedy. The Storm are really good. Um, I don't know yeah. how much you can really take away from it because, you know, whether they win by 30 or 60 in this case, it's just as dominant, I guess. But, I mean, they were just so impressive to watch. Some of those tries were absolute piss takes. Um, they weren't just brutalizing them with forwards and stuff. Like That's how we saw a lot of these blowouts last year. We just saw, you know, teams cut through. They were spreading the ball early. They were getting their fast guys involved um, and they just cut them to shreds. Um, yeah, not great if you're a Warriors yeah. fan. I, mean, it's, what is, I, I don't know if it's the most points ever scored in half, like 54 points in the second half, or it's the most like, I've got in a half year in like 15 years. So that's all right. Yeah, it's NRL era record, isn't it? I think, I believe so. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, it was just it, when they were up, what was the score? It was like they're up like 60 yards at the scoreboard. And you're, like, you're kidding. There's still like 10 minutes left. Like, yeah. Well, when they got to, when they got to 50, I said they could get 70 here. Yeah. <laughs> And they did. They, so they're just scoring from this, like getting the kickoff back and scoring. Not not great. Like the I remember that like what Broncos up forty two nil over the Eels in two thousand five. I always remember that one because I was there. But that's what I got a forty point half here. The it, whatever I'll just declare. We're just doing this now. We're just declaring it records. But also Brownie's like the first coach to concede sixty two seasons in a row since the nineteen ninety eight uh, Magpies, the worst team of all time. Mm, <laughs> well, not good. One of the worst of all time. The worst of all times, uh, obviously, his Knights team. But uh, yeah, the Magpies, Rogadonicus did it back to back then, but they knew they were getting kicked out of the comp. Every, that team was garbage, but he's conceded 60 against uh, the you guys last year, can 60 this year, and he conceded 60 with the Knights. And I don't know, because like, it's too hard to figure it out. I don't have it. My, none, none of the numbers I have, I haven't got coaches from the 30s in my bloody database here. I don't know if it's the biggest gap between a coach conceding 60, but again, I'm just going to say it is between the Knights and now. I'm just going to, we're just oh, doing I'm that. All out. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, yeah. And he still gets a job. Just, uh, there he is. The, I mean, Ricky Stewart's still ahead of him with like, because he's got 450 games, was it now? And he's got the uh, losing record. Ricky will have this weekend. Yeah. But Brownie's, mate, the amount of games he's coached, and he's still going to be around. Like, he's, he won't lose his job this year, probably. No, I mean Terrible. they've still got the whole thing of um, they've still got the whole thing of like not playing at home to lean back on, which will just keep working. So, mm. like, oh god, and he won twenty five percent. Palace Barrett's worse than him. That's just funny. By the twenty five percent of his games at the night, thirty six percent now. But uh, this this game was like this Warriors team is not that bad. They're really not. And there's some games there. Like, I mean, they again they they just won three on the trot. 
so they'd beaten and then they'd lost to the they'd beaten the Tigers, the Broncos, and the Cowboys. And they're not that bad, but they have the the exact attribute of those bad Browning Knights teams. They rolled over instantly. Like this game was gone, and it was like a couple of those times that night scene got smashed. They had these really good first halves or good periods, and they'd lose by 40. Well, like when they went and played the Sharks, and they knew the Sharks were going to beat them by 60, and then the Sharks did. You know, it's like this game, like they, they scored that first try, and then they just walked the rest in. Like Ed Cosey on one of them chasing that, he just gave up. Like running, he had coats covered, man, and he just stopped running with like five minutes in the try line. Didn't even bother defusing it, stopped running. And even like guys like my man SJ, like he he they didn't really go through him. But even the like second or third last try, they can say he he gave up. Like they all just gave up, man. And in the post match press conference, Brownie, the king of spin, as you said there, really acted like they only lost for like forty. You know, he's like, oh, you know, the, the middles were good, and you know, we got unlucky, whatever. It's like, dude, you lost by fucking seven. You lost, you conceded fucking seventy. No, <laughs> no one was good. Okay, that's how this works. You conceded. You had two complete sets in the second half. Yeah, two completed sets and 120 running meters or something. Right. Yeah, 191 left in the second half they had. That's it. Yeah, they had two complete sets in the second half. Like, so they actually had seven sets. They they, they dropped the ball five of those. Ridiculous that they even had they got that much possession. But yeah, two complete sets in a half. Embarrassing. Like, and Pappenhausen scored a physical try over them. He ran over like three Warriors players. Um. Yeah. They were really, really bad, and it was pretty funny. Yeah. And the and the storms, you said there, mate. Like again, they went back at Ed Cozy, the poor fella. But that they're they're my fun team, as as you mentioned earlier. I mean, this team, Sofa Solomona, put a bomb up for a try before the blowout started. True, <laughs> like, that is true. That was the try, the first try of the second half, and he put a bomb up. Awesome. And then from then on, it was like globe trotter stuff. And the, the fun thing with the storm and why like such a great team is that. It's not always the same guys. Like, yeah, Pappenhausen involved a lot of it, but this game was like pretty quiet for Cam Munster. No, quiet on the left hand side a lot of it, but it was like Jerome Hughes, Xavier Coates, you know, over on the right hand side. Remus Smith missed half the game. That poor bugger didn't get involved in. Imagine being him. <laughs> he went off at halftime for this game, like that poor bugger. But it was all over the park. They were dancing on them. And, you know, they haven't really felt like, the old storm all season this year outside of periods, but this, they really felt like obviously they won by 70, but they felt like they found their groove. And it's one of those games like you know, the storm fans, storm fans get to remember a lot of games. They do, but the first club, what, they scored like 70 twice in the last, like in the NRL era, they got, you know, um, they remember this one for a long time. Anzac Day. <laughs> and before we, before we move on to the, uh, to some other news and notes, um, someone did share in our, the betting channel of our Discord today, their mate had a $5 multi paying $90,000. Like, had idiot. a bunch of absolute long shot things like Penrith to win by exactly 26 to 30, Broncos, uh, Bulldogs half time, Broncos full time, West Tigers straight up against Seattle. Like, a bunch of very speculative shit. And then the very last thing was Warriors plus 19 and a half. Everything else had already won at this point, and he uh, didn't, uh, didn't want to. Well, we know he didn't hedge, we saw his account balance. Yeah, like that's unbelievable. Look, I'm usually team never cash out, but mate, you're essentially gambling 40, 40 grand on a coin toss, uh, 80 grand on a coin toss just there. Yeah, we haven't got all the legs here, but we've got, yeah, it was Bulldogs, half time, full time, 
which is eight to one. And then he had the Cowboys, Titans, the amount of points scored in the game, the band, he's got that. He had Penrith winning by 26 to 30, had the Dragons winning one to 12. Then the last leg, I think we're missing a leg there. Even if we want South, we uh, Tigers, leg. Tigers straight up. Yeah, that's it. And the last leg is the Warriors plus 19 and a half, and it, or $5 paying like 90 grand. If you people listening, we're just saying this. If you're ever in a situation ever in your life, it's not even cashing out. If you're in a situation like that, when he had he had over an hour between those last games, and you would have known anyway, pretty like the Dragons game ended, but he had over an hour to make a decision. You put five grand on that. Okay, I'll tell you, you clear your savings out because there's no lot like on hedging that. If you do, because the, the line was at 19, right? So like the, actually, it was nineteen. It was at nine. No, dollars got nice. even money on it. So, that was yeah. it. so even money. So line was nineteen. If you just take the storm negative nineteen and you put like five or ten grand down, you know it's not as exciting as turning five dollars into ninety grand. But you're either guaranteed turning five thousand and five dollars into nine grand, or turning into ninety grand. Like you can't, you can't just do nothing. Yeah, you, if you don't want to cash out, because I get the, I get why people wouldn't cash out, especially that, like that's a like. Nine plus nineteen is a big line, and mm. at, even at halftime you would have been cheering. Maybe halftime cash out. Maybe halftime cash out. Yeah, but that's one of the things you. If you hedge it, you get to play both options. You know, you could you could even cash out after the storm scored that first try and saw DWZ get KO'd. Yeah, this terrible and look, hunting. It, and, and look, it's it's um if you're doing five dollar multis to win nearly a hundred grand, you're obviously not a professional gambler. So this is a life changing amount of money mm. for you. So I don't know why you just do nothing. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I got done. I think I, I had NBA multi this season that I, I have I had a couple and mm. Evan Mobley rookie of the year. I won money on Tyler Hero, six man of the year. I picked him in our Discord, but I had a couple of multis that were like from five dollars that were mm. five or six grand to what to I'd make off five bucks. Yeah. And relying on the last leg being Evan Mobley rookie. Well, actually, sorry, two of them were Giannis uh, defensive player of the year. And then I had two ones that would last just solely. I would have won if, if Mobley got rookie of the year on that line, I would have won about two and a half grand off ten dollars. Yeah. You can't hedge that because what happens over time is that the Tyler Hero odds are gone. There's no way to, and if I bet on doesn't matter if I bet on Scotty Barnes to like two hundred bucks, like there's not really much juice left anymore at that point. Yeah. You know? Well that's but yeah. It's head to head you can hedge. You hedge. Yeah. I hedge well, so, head to end of my last legs of multis all the time. People hate dude, it, but it's like guaranteed I had money over two, that. So back when I used to watch college basketball, yeah. um, two years in a row, I put five bucks on Butler to win the national championship. The first year was they were a hundred to one or something, or two hundred to one or something. And I couldn't really hedge the final because they played Duke in the final and Duke were like a dollar twenty. So I was like, uh, I guess I just have to let this ride. But the second year I put five bucks on them at two hundred and fifty one to one. And they made the championship game again, and I put five hundred bucks on UConn, the the win the 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 day of the game. Yeah, who were, it to do. And I, and UConn won, so I walked away with you know six hundred bucks or whatever. So it's like yeah, Super Bowl this year. I was in a situation like that. I was like, I had put there's not even a lot, but I don't even know why I did it. But I put money on the Rams ages ago to win the Super Bowl, and I put thirty bucks on them to win, and they were fifteen dollars at the time. Yeah, and again, you want to you want to sit in the area that's like, well, what's what am I comfortable with here? And essentially, like this uh, this year, who who they, they beat again? Well, I forgot who they beat in the Super Bowl. It's terrible in, in, for me. In the Bengals, Bengals. That's it. The Bengals were like two dollars fifty, 
And I, and it it's wasn't much a easier to hedge when the outsider is the one you don't have. That's it. That's it. So the, and, I, and I put 50 bucks on them and it's like, you know what? I'll either make like 150 yeah. or I make $300 or 60 the, investment. You're pretty the happy best part. That. The best part about my one was um, uh, um, it was pre online. It was pre like sports bet accounts. So this was like tab yeah. slips. And my mum saw oh, that dude. I put $500 on a basketball game. And she fucking lost her goddamn mind because I was like 19 at the time, I was still living at home. And I had to explain to her that it was a sure thing. I try, I, and she's like, there's no such thing as a short, like, you know, I'm telling you. I'm like, mom, no, you don't understand. There are two outcomes to this game. I have now guaranteed that I will win $600 from either outcome. And when my dad came home, I explained, and he picked it up. He got it within like four seconds. So that's the end of that. But I was like, my mom just losing her fucking mind. Everyone says they've got a sure thing. It's never true. I'm like, it's not that. I'm not rigging a horse race, mum. Calm down. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got a friend down at the track. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. I promise uh, you. It's but good. yeah, point yeah, is, this is an idiot. He is an idiot. All right. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Anaerobium Rookies. Uh, if you want to support the podcast and everything that we do, you'll get uh, some merchandise, access to our Discord server, entry into next year's Culture and Cup, priority question time, uh, the ability to submit uh, rookie takes plenty of other stuff as well we will be doing a meetup for magic round again this year we've got a venue locked in we've got a time locked in i've even put some money on the bar mitchell so uh if you want to be a part of that um uh if you're in a discord server we've already given the details out but check your patreon account if you are just a patreon member who doesn't um use discord because i'll send a message at some point there as well but yeah if you want to come down to that uh and just support the boys in general you know what it's 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 because if you if you become a patron find out where this is at magic round you get one beer that i've already paid for you've just paid your membership off for three months so it's economics it's like becoming can't a member lose, at your local can't club lose they send you 10 bucks on your birthday it's that's a can't lose one it. it is it absolutely is and so <laughs> a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers of our page description service and they are chris avnell dave rocky and rafi Stu, wayne ritchie anthony anger ben wallace butsy cam beswick dan carnane Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Frankie, Jace G, James K, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Joey Gooch, Josh Brandon, Josh Tom 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Ferguson, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Mike Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy, party keg, Pete Fulcher, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Schneider Pilled Scores, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Schwarzy, Ty, TB, the black vegetable, the human ice cream, oh, the not so mature student, he's back. Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Woz. Thank you so much for your support. And to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Fuck, a long couple of weeks without the not-so-mature student, Mitchell. It was throwing my rhythm off towards the It was, it was killing you. <laughs> was. Mike Murray. I still can't get over it. Please change it back, Michael. Please. Yeah. Anyway, um, some other news from this week. Uh, you mentioned Jack Bird there, broken arm. He'll be out for a little while. That's not good. Thank Agai has broken a cheekbone or something. So he's, that's it's a month. Again, he played the whole game. So we didn't really notice this at the time either. You didn't notice till today when you saw the he team. He was like holding his face in the game really sad. It was, it was it, I thought it was sadness for the loss of the game. Was it just cheekbone sadness? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, Tom Gilbert signed for the Dolphins. I think that's their best signing so far. Because so do I think the another... they've signed who's not, you know, the other side of 30. So I think well, Harrison forward. Graham's a great signing. I think we'll see that in the in the future. I think I think he could be anything. We'll see, but I'm a big fan of him as a hooker. But Tom Gilbert, yeah, I think that's a cracking signing. Like, you know, what was he? Q Cup player of the year at 19. He's 21 now, playing most weeks at the at the Cowboys. And he was saying he didn't really want to, you know, tough decisions had to make, but like He'll be a starter at the Dolphins and it'll be middle or edge where he wants to play. 
and I think he has a decent future in the games. I think it's actually one of the, the first, as you said, first actual real good first grade signing. Yeah. Um, there's uh, so much else to talk about. We took Gagai and Bird injuries. Any other signing news this week? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, we, we, had, we, we did a bonus thing on a bonus podcast. So, yeah. Um, uh, well, Storm legend Alex Chan, his son Joe Chan signed with the Storm. So that's fun. Joe Chan, he's from uh, Catalan, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I mean, we knew it was coming, but Tarek Sims confirmed to the, to the Storm. So next year, and they're obviously trying yeah. to figure out for this year. I mean, if you're Tarek, you're like begging to get to Melbourne this year. But... Hey, drag, Dragons are back. And oh, uh, the Knights like, If you're going to Melbourne next year, would you not want to try and get there this year and make well, a premiership yes. charge? Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Um, Taxes has never shown a propensity to want to leave when the going gets tough, though. So I'm no, sure he he'll stick it out. He's yeah. never, I've never seen that. Fantastic. All right. We come to the end of another episode of Boom Rookies. We'll be back with question time later in the week. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>